Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Pop Culture Nerd Podcast. On today's show, I will be joined by the excellent writer, director, and actor Michael Gilio to talk a bit about some of his recent work, including Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and Dark Harvest, two of the many movies he's written. We'll also talk a little bit about the future of screenwriting, the writer's strike, and Michael's career beginnings. If you like this episode, be sure to check out some of my other interviews on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and give me a follow at Patrick underscore Breen for the latest updates and information. Hope you enjoy. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Pop Culture Nerd Podcast. I'm pleased to welcome onto the show today a fantastic writer, director, and actor, Michael Gilio. How are you doing, Michael? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. I want to jump right into things uh, and ask you about some of your most recent work, Dark Harvest and also uh, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Um, We'll start with Dark Harvest. How did that screenplay develop? Um, what was your inspiration behind it? And are are you a horror sci-fi genre fan in general? Yes, I'm a big horror fan for sure. And the the book, uh, it was based on a book, Dark Harvest by Norman Partridge. My agent, geez, I, I got to say that nearly 15 years ago, my agent handed it to me and I fell in love with it. And he, he represents uh, the writer. And so I said, uh, you know, what is up with this? Like, what, what can we do with this? I'd love to make this into a movie. And he said, well, the rights are the rights are kind of tied up and the author is, you know, choosy and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm like, okay. So every year I would check in with my agent and say, what's up with this book? What's up with the rights? And they were just never available um, until maybe 10 years later. Um, just by coincidence, I was talking to a producer friend of mine, uh, David Manperl. And they just happened to acquire the book. It became available. They bought it. And I was working with them on something else. And I just threw my hat in the ring. I said, I want to do this. And uh, so they said, yes. And it was at the time, it was with a different uh, company, different studio. Um, But we made a deal there and I wrote it. And then uh, it went to turn around and was bought up by, uh, by MGM. It was the first acquisition by Mike DeLuca during his uh, regime there. And, uh, you know, it was very quick. We was put into, it was green lit and then the pandemic hit. And uh, with it, with it with, we were literally at a, at a conference call saying, you know, welcome, here we go. It was, it was, I'm sorry, it was at a conference table. We're all sitting together and we're all kind of nervously making jokes about this COVID thing and like, okay, you know, all right, well, we're going to make this movie and here we go. And like, I think it was like four days later. <laughs> Uh, Tom Hanks acquired COVID and the world changed and that was that. So then we had to sit around for, I think, about a year trying to figure out what to do. Uh, and then eventually we went ahead and made it in Winnipeg. What qualities about a book or some form of inspiration to write a script stick with you that long where you're saying, this is a great project. I really want to write it. I have so many ideas for it and how to adapt it. And I'm going to see it through, you know, all those years, even through a pandemic. What kind of qualities about a story hit you and stick with you? Well, it was very, it was uh, personal to me because it, was, it took place in in the Midwest, which is where I grew up. And it was kind of this rural small town and the cornfields and, and 
that's where I grew up. I, I grew up in, a, it was very strange. There was, it was a farms and corn, there was a corn right in my back, in the backyard of the, of the, of the elementary school I went to. And we would run and, you know, get lost in the, in the corn fields and use corn stalks as lightsabers. And, you know, the whole, th that, that was, that was, that was my, um, my childhood while also developing, developing at the same time, it, it became a suburb as I got older, suddenly there was the franchise restaurants and multiplexes were starting to encroach. And before you know it, there was no, you know, farms at all. Um, but that sense of, of being kind of stuck in a small town, because even at night you could kind of see on the horizon, you could, could see the lights of Chicago. I'm like, it was like 45 minutes outside of Chicago. So you could, if you squint, you could see the city on the horizon. And so that sense of longing for, for, the big city for something else out there and and the kind of the magic of a small town but also it's kind of ominous uh underbelly really appealed to me and the book itself is beautifully written it's like uh it's like a ray bradbury mm. punk story you know incredibly visual so it, it didn't take a lot of imagination to see it as a movie but of course, I thought it would be a breeze to adapt because it's so cinematic. Uh, and then when, of course, when I started to adapt it, it was probably one of the di most difficult adaptations I've done. Because um, you, you had to build it out and create more, you know, a, a novella is one thing, but a movie is, is another thing altogether. So it was, it was a totally different animal. And when you finally sort of hand it off and it goes, whether it's, you know, being produced, it's in production or when it finally comes out, is there a sense of relief for you after that long process or is it kind of the reverse? Is it like, boy, this thing I wanted to do and this is how I saw it and this is what is in my head um, and you want to stick with it as long as you can? Like, is there a sense of not being able to let go or is it like I'm ready to move on? <laughs> yeah, well, definitely a little bit of both. And this okay. project was particularly challenging. It was a very challenging production in a lot of ways with obviously with COVID and um um, and there were in the, in the middle of post-production, the, um, MGM was acquired by Amazon. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, little trivia tidbit, uh, Dark Harvest is actually the very last film distributed by MGM, uh, before it became Amazon MGM. Um, so the movie between COVID and the acquisition and then, and then the strike, the writer's strike, you know, the movie kind of got a little lost in the shuffle and, and, and the production itself was, it was incredibly difficult. You know, it was, uh, it was cold. It was shooting at nights and in, uh, in Winnipeg, um, it was incredibly ambitious and, um, you know, and personality conflicts and the usual kind of production politics. It, it was, it was, a it was, in, it was a very, a difficult shoot and um and i was deeply involved um i was involved as a, as a writer obviously but also as an executive producer and it was yeah i was it, it was very hard to let it go and you and as, it, as the cliche goes like the movie's never done it's just ripped out of your hands right i mean it's <laughs> and that's sure. kind of what <laughs> at a certain point it just gets ripped out of your hands and and then it goes out in the world and and yeah so it, it's it at a certain point i just had to walk away from it and move on <laughs> um but you know i'm proud of it i'm proud of it and 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 i love it 
and it's it's been a very harsh mistress, but um, uh, I'm definitely ready to move on. Well, as a you know fellow WGA member, I, I heard you mention the strike there, so I feel like we should at least touch on it for a moment, even though we're now yeah. a couple couple months um, removed from an agreement. But I'm curious to ask you, especially since you served as an executive producer on that, um, how much have you personally seen writers' rooms change over the years? you know, shrinking down, having one or two showrunners on things. And how much do you feel like this agreement? I'm not sure how, you know, in the weeds you are on it. Um, how much do you feel like that will change things for the better? Um, well, frankly, I, I've only worked in features. I've never worked in a writer's room or worked in television. Uh, I'm a bit of a dinosaur in that way. Um, and, and honestly, until very recently, I've only worked with the, with the kind of legacy studios as well. I haven't worked with streamers until just, until just recently. So I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I can't get into the weeds about it, but I will say from the people that I, uh, that I, that I know it's, it's, a, it's a good deal. Um, it's significantly better than the way things were going. Uh, I mean, writer, television writers had it really bad, you know? Um, and I think this this agreement goes a long way to addressing some of those concerns. And I think uh, I hope, you know, um, that we're back <laughs> back on our way um, to making sure that writing is an actual career choice and not a gig. Um, and I've, I've been fortunate, um, but things have definitely changed over the last few years. I mean, the you know, the, the, the business is not what it once was. For sure. I think that was a, a, a wonderful way to put it, especially, you know, making it a career choice. You're not supposed to be a gig worker. You're supposed to hopefully be able to see something through to, to the finish line. And I think that's a great way to to explain it. Um, I do want to sort of rewind. And you mentioned working with sort of the legacy, you know, feature film uh, producers. Yeah. Um, where did your love of, of cinema begin? Where did it begin? I think I, I had a I had an uncle who one day gave me um a beta tape. This is how this is how old I am. I'm dating myself. A beta tape of um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was a black market tape. Somebody brought a video camera into the movie theater and just recorded the movie. So it was this like shaky, poor quality, murky copy of a copy that he bought. I don't know on the street somewhere in Chicago, or I'm not really sure where he got it. And he gave it to me for Christmas. Um, and so I, 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 not, I had not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. I didn't, never, didn't know what it was. And I popped it in uh, and I watched it every Sunday morning for years. Just watched that version, that murky uh, black market copy of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, and it was the first time that I that I felt like an author behind it. I didn't know that. I just thought movies were just handed down by, you know, God or something. I didn't realize that people made it uh, and I could feel an author behind it. And then I, it led, led me to you know, one of the other most famous authors of movies, which was Hitchcock. And I started watching all Hitchcock's movies. Um, and, you know, for a guy living in the Midwest, young kid in the Midwest, uh, it just, it was just kind of a portal into a more glamorous adventure, adventurous lifestyle. <laughs> And uh, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be a part of that. Um, yeah, I think that's, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> no, it does. I, I think that most, probably anyone listening to this, I know myself included, have a movie that they rewatched 
10,000 times when they were a kid. I mean, there's something about a comfort of knowing what's coming next when, when you're a kid, but in retrospect, it also, you know, helps you to explore, as you said, realizing that there's some authorship behind something. It's not just something that was created. Um, you know, where did that love of cinema then take you? Uh, how did you begin writing, sort of cultivating your voice? And do you feel like you're still always writing or is it something that just has to come to you? Uh, yeah, 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 definitely always writing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, it's really strange. I don't really consider myself a writer. It's not, uh, you know, I used to write short stories and everything, but I, I started out mostly as an actor. Hmm. Um, I was kind of pulled into acting. It wasn't something I wanted to do. I was a very nervous kind of shy kid. And, um, you know, one day I was in the hallway and I think it was like seventh grade or something. And some beautiful young woman who was directing the one act plays, she was hired to direct the one act plays kind of approached me at my locker and said, will you audition for my play? And I said, of course, <laughs> you know, I had no real interest other than just saying yes to this woman. And then I went and auditioned and um, I got cast in it. And um, that was kind of my introduction into the business <laughs> was as an actor. Um, but I never really had a brain desire to act. I really loved it. I really enjoyed it. And I love actors. I'm married to one and um, all my friends are actors and I, I, I love the world. Um, but I found that uh, I had more of a temperament as a writer because I could act on the page and I could do it in the security and privacy of my own home uh, rather than out in the world. Um, so I started to write. Um, and it was, and I also had done some directing, but writing was honestly just where suddenly it was where I got paid. <laughs> it was, it was the first thing that the first thing that they threw money at for, and I'm like, okay, I guess this is, this is where I'm going to go. And, um, I started working within the studio system. You mentioned that acting through the page, and I find that to be a really interesting concept. Um, do you have any advice about some experiences that you know young writers should find and seek out when they're first developing their voice as you know a screenwriter or even as somebody who's you know maybe people who are looking into directing? Um, is it important, do you think, to get sort of a background in like all the facets of film? Yeah, I mean, I I I, I think it's all the same, really. Um, I think it was John Patrick Shanley said that writing is acting is directing is living your life. It's all the same, you know, it's all the, you know, it's all the same muscles, you know? Um, so I, I recommend doing it all. I mean, I think everybody should definitely take an acting class. I think it's crazy that directors and writers and, and, and producers, I mean, they, they all need, they all need to go into an acting class and see, see what it's like to be on the other side and how to approach these things and the kind of guts that it takes to get up on a stage and I think everybody should try to give their hand at writing a script or a play or something so they, they can see see how how much the struggle is real. Um, um, so yeah, I, I recommend doing that. And of course, I also recommend just doing a lot of reading. I also, particularly poems, if you're a screenwriter, because I think poetry is, you know, haikus. I think it's obviously the closest thing to... Uh, to what we do as screenwriters, which is about precision. You know, it has to be very precise. Um, and, 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 and also just don't be a moviegoer. That's the other thing, <laughs> you know, have other interests. 
please. I don't, I don't, I don't need just to see scripts and movies about referencing other movies yeah. and scripts. <laughs> so, you know, I actually like live a life and have something to say. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, before I take up too much of your time, I, I do want to at least ask you a bit about Dungeons and Dragons because it was a, a film that I really, really enjoyed. Um, you know, what was the inspiration going into that film? Is it something that um, you, again, had a long process on as you did with Dark Harvest? Or is it something that sort of, you know, fell into your lap that you were able to run with? Yeah, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, has been a long storied history of, of getting it from from the game to the to the the big screen uh and and i was really at the tail end of that long uh, that long process it was at different studios um in fact uh i mean basically what it really started was um that i i had done a project um i'd written um a movie uh with guillermo del toro called justice league dark hmm. And it was about uh, a gang of monsters, misfits, and ghosts, and magicians that went on a heist. So you can kind of see where this is going. And it was uh, it was a you know big fantasy adventure comedy. It was a lot of fun, um, and for a myriad of different reasons that didn't happen. But it put me on the radar for Paramount uh, when they were doing Dungeons and Dragons. Although I should say. Dungeons and Dragons was at Warner Brothers for a brief moment. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in production and there was a director and they were casting, they were on location and I was called in to po uh, potentially do a re rewrite. I met the director, I did the whole thing. You know, I had to talk to him, I read the script. Uh, they hired me and then crickets because I think they were rushing the production, trying to rush the movie into production before they lost the rights and it didn't happen. So I think about a year later, Paramount calls me um, and they offered, they made, it, made me an offer to write it. Um, and at the time, I wasn't 100% sure about that because, as you know, uh, Dungeons and Dragons is a bit of a poisoned franchise uh, before that. <laughs> and I wasn't entirely convinced that I could do something with this property. Um, and I was having lunch with a really good friend of mine, uh, director Chris McKay. Him and I, our old stopping grounds were in Chicago. We worked on independent films together. There was a movie I, I wrote and directed called Quick Stop, and Chris edited that movie. And while he was editing it, I was acting in his movie, a movie called Two Weeks, One Year. And we were kind of doing this at the same time. We became really tight creative partners. And we both went moved to Los Angeles around the same time. And he started directing for um, uh, Robot Chicken mm -hmm. and he started working working his way up in the kind of stop motion animation television series and did the the, the, the bat, uh, Lego movies, Lego Batman and the Lego movie. And I was writing movies in the studio system. So at a certain point, we're like, we need to work together. Let's, let's, let's work together in a big sandbox, though, right? Let's we did the navel gazing kind of mumblecore movies in Chicago. Let's let's do a big, big fun movie together. What and let's look for it. And we were having coffee and he's like, you know, Paramount just offered me uh Dungeons and Dragons. I was like, that's crazy. They offered me Dungeons and Dragons too. So why don't we why don't we do this together? And that was honestly a big reason why I did it was an opportunity to, to work with Chris again in something really fun. Um I Played Dungeons. I wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid, but I couldn't get anyone to play with me. 
uh, back when I was into it, it was, you know, the, the, the sat satanic panic was a real thing uh -huh. and I couldn't get people. <laughs> uh, I played a little bit with a friend of mine, but I couldn't do it. But so, but instead I, you know, I was a huge fan of the uh, animated television series and I read the Dragonlance books and I was really into eighties kind of fantasy, like legend and Beastmaster and labyrinth, you know, those kind of things. I was really into that, into those, uh, into those movies. And so when Chris and I talked about doing this, we, you know, we referenced movies like Dragon's Lair and all those, those fun 80s fantasy movies that we grew up on. Uh, we both started playing Dungeons and Dragons again. We got a campaign going and we approached the movie as if we were going to do a campaign. And we we, we worked with Wizards of the Coast, brought out, you know, their legendary dungeon master he came out and we played a couple games and we got things going so it was a lot of fun i finally got to like have the game and have the childhood that i had always wanted you can really you can really see that in in the film like i i totally um everything you're mentioning is like popping up to me um you know enjoying it and watching it and seeing all those aspects i really appreciate that you know that much care was given i'm not like a D, D, you know gatekeeper <laughs> but like i know that the the people i play have played with who are like super into it do did appreciate that but it's also you know a really funny movie that's accessible to like wider audiences that you don't have to be like obsessed with the stats of a gelatinous cube to like <laughs> to like be able to have fun with the movie and, and, and enjoy it um i do want to ask like you know when you have things come and go you lose projects you write projects you put you know, all your blood, sweat and tears into something for like the DC animated universe, when those things get pulled away or torn away from you, I mean, how much do you have to like, you know, learn to deal with that? I mean, how much of it is is like going to therapy or just complaining to the people around you? I'm sure it's that's a big part of the writer's lifestyle. Um, but how much of it really is that? Well, it's really difficult. It's It's been very difficult. You know, I've been involved with some really great projects and some fantastic directors. And, uh, you know, I feel like we do what we're supposed to do. And 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 then they still don't get made for a you know, myriad of different reasons. Um, it's it's hard. Um, but, you know, because the business is, is incredibly dysfunctional, they're making less and less movies. Right. Pouring yep. more and more money into less and less movies. And then obviously COVID has is has you know disrupted the whole theatrical and the streaming and there's just there's a lot of things going on but even before then you know it's a minor miracle when a movie gets made um so you know it, it's it's really hard to live with that with that reality you know uh, as a as a screenwriter um but you got to keep on believing. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, everything I work on, I believe it's going to get made. Otherwise, uh, I, I don't know that I could wake up in the morning and, and, and actually put everything, you know, my blood, sweat and tears into it. Um, but um, yeah, it's a big part of, of, of why I think a lot of screenwriters made the mass exodus, mass exodus into television. Um, but movies are my first love. And so, you know, I keep, I keep, you know, the, the, the football keeps getting pulled away from me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I, I love it, you know, uh, I love it so much and, and it's what I want to, you know, keep on doing. And, um, and now that I've got, you know, now that I've gotten some things made, um, 
Yeah, now 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 they're not gonna get rid of me. So well, speaking of that, I mean anything that you can talk about that you're you know you're really excited by coming up for you, any opportunities? I mean, obviously we don't want to like jinx anything, but <laughs> anything yeah, that you care to discuss. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with this is that if you talk about it, you feel like you're going to jinx it. I, I mean, I have I have a couple things uh, lined up. Uh, we'll see. You know, <laughs> uh, I should say that the, that movie I mentioned earlier, Quick Stop, my yeah. the that I directed, um, my first movie, just coincidentally uh, went live online uh, today. So it, it it's available on Apple and Amazon and whatever your streaming services are. You can find it. Uh, just by coincidence, it's, it's been unavailable for years, and, and now you can watch it. Excellent. Well, that was one that I was really going to ask about, and but I was kind of curious because I was looking it up and trying to find the proper place to, yeah. to watch it, but that's one I'll definitely check out. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on with me today, Michael. These were some just awesome, insightful answers, and uh, thanks so much for your time. Hey, thank you. Take care. And thank you for listening to the Pop Culture Nerd Podcast. Don't forget the show can be found on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And if you like the episode, you can leave a review and follow me on Instagram at Patrick underscore Breen for more updates. See you next time.